Hello everybody! Welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox meeting of adult children of alcoholics in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. My name is Anne. I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We are recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find a meeting in your area, go to adultchildren.org and click on Find a Meeting. This week's speaker is Sig. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Signy, and... Um gratefully recovering in this program. Um, I wanted to step up because actually yesterday I was supposed to qualify at another ACA meeting and I was upstate and I was just like, I can't do it. I don't understand why I would want to come back to this city for any reason. <laughs> like, you know, like it was so beautiful up there. So I got a friend to do it. So I think it's like good for me to do it today for you guys. I um, can't hear myself. Um, I don't, I don't obviously have anything prepared in the book. Um, I have read a lot of this book and I'm actually in a red book study group right now, which is a tool of the program, the fellow travelers groups. I've been, I worked the steps with, uh, fellow travelers for over a year. That was ended about a year ago. And now I'm in a fellow travelers group. That's a red book study group. And I've been in this group for about a year and, I just like can't say enough about the like what happens in group de therapy basically like intimate like for me I really wanted I did the steps in a fellow travelers group over the phone which was great because it was a way that we all made the call like in that place in my recovery I think I really needed that and then after doing the steps I realized that I really wanted to work in person with people so I do have a meeting that meets in person once a week, and we've been meeting for about a year, and it's just like unbelievable. Like, see, like basically the inner chat, the children growing up together. That's kind of mm. what I've been witnessing. Like, um, <clears throat> and growing up, I think is really about like, you know, what. I would, like, I grew up in an alcoholic home. Like, I know that this program is about, like, can also be about dysfunction in the home, which has some of the similar traits that you end up with. But in my home, it was alcoholism. And I always saw my mom as the main alcoholic and my dad as the codependent alcoholic. But both of them are drinkers and partiers, and they just have a very different style. Like my mom, and I think because my mom is my mom and like meant to sort of care for the children, it sort of like <clears throat> was more apparent to me her alcoholism. <laughs> like, and she was like a wino and very sloppy and slurring and slutty, and these were some of the, you know, this is sort of how she rolled. And my dad was more of like a binge drinker and a rager when he drank. And so, that's actually been unpacking that. The effects of his drinking on me has taken a lot longer. And it, I think it's because he had this whole facade of being like intellectually somehow superior to all of us. 
you know? And so he was able to keep that alive in the family. And, like, um, and so it's taken longer to unpack the damage from his manipulation. I mean, alcoholics manipulate. Like, <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for many, many, or in my opinion, many years, and um, one day at a time. And, you know, it's just like a mind fuck to grow up in this, these kinds of situations. Like, mm-hmm. nobody's really imbo- like living in their truth. That's kind of what I've come to realize. Like, there's not a lot of truth in an alcoholic home. There's a lot of, like, vagueness. There's a lot of, like, unfinished projects. Like, that's, like, putting it <coughs> nicely. Like, um, yeah, so my brother, I come from, it was my brother, my older brother, me, and my parents, and they're all still active. My brother is, like, a very bad drug addict alcoholic, and, um, you know, we started using when we were 12 years old, and he's still using, and that's just, you know, like, but the beauty of this program is that today, and I came in, so I came in sort of through the back, I came in through Al-Anon, and then I just realized in Al-Anon, I was like... I'm not really dating alcoholics because I'm actually fucking repulsed by alcoholics and I could never, like, really date one, you know? And, like, I mean, I stopped dating addicts and alcoholics, like, a very long time ago. And, I mean, I was the alcoholic, but I couldn't be attracted to that. So in Al-Anon, I just felt like I wasn't really hearing what I really needed to hear. And so when I started going to ACA, which was down at the Trinity Church, down used to be that one down in Wall Street, I just was like... You know, and for years, I just kind of went in there and cried. Mm. Like, I didn't even know how to, like, get it into my head or really start the recovery process, the tools. I just kind of did what they said, like, let the program wash over me and sort of, like, sit there and listen to qualifications and identification. I think, you know, one of the best tools for me is this idea of identification, like, we often feel like we're all, or I definitely felt that way growing up, and I've taken that into adulthood, that I'm just totally alone with my misery, and that, like, you know, the alienation that I feel inside, um, the lack of self-knowledge, the lack of self-love, all these things are just unique to me. And so when I came into the ACA rooms, I just started to identify with people and recognize that, oh, and then hearing in the Red Book, like, that it's, it's all written down. Like, I thought, when I started reading this and listening to it, I was like, it's all fucking written down. Like, it's all been done, you know? Like, I just show up and read and listen and be of service and smart feet, like, get to meetings, like, and I recover. And so it's been about five years in this program, and I would say, like, for the first, you know, like, it's just started to feel like I have a person. I am a person, and I have a personality that's outside of a role that was given mm-hmm. to me. Like in my family, like even the role was a facade because I think like I was given this idea like the hero child in some ways. You know, like um, my brother was like the fuck up, and I was the one that like did well in school and didn't need any help. But 
and like all the ways in which I use drugs and alcohol and everything that I did, like, you know, I did a lot of illegal, like, I was a thief, you know, all these things were like completely hidden, or so I thought, from the family. And now I'm realizing everybody fucking saw it, everybody knew it, but it was like part of the family, you know, story that I be that. And so basically you're just raised in these situations where you're not seen at all. You don't see you, they don't see you, and it works for everybody. Like, Mm -hmm. so um, through the amends process, through the ninth step in this program, like... I went to make the amends to my mom, which for me was like, you know, I always justified my behavior against my mother because she was a terrible mother in my eyes, you know? Like, I'm like, you're a terrible mother, you have affairs, you're a drunk, you never come home, and so therefore I can just do whatever I want, which was to like really talk down to her and steal from her and take her, you know, take any, like, just basically rule the house, do whatever I wanted. I didn't go to school if I didn't want to go to school. I didn't, I stole her car. I stole her credit card. Like, just anything. And I just justified it as, oh, you're a terrible mother, so these are the things that I can do. And so it wasn't until the ninth step where I really started to be like, no, that's not the kind of person I want to be. I don't want to lie. I don't want to cheat. I don't want to steal. And so... I sort of made these amends to her, and then she said this really interesting thing that was just simple, but it was like, you know, I hope that the next time you're in a relationship that you're with somebody who can understand addiction. And it was, for me, like, huge, because I always thought, they don't even know I'm an addict. They don't even, like, I'm not an addict. I'm, like, the fucking, the only one that's standing in this family. And so to hear that from her, I was just like, oh, this is my work, like, to take responsibility for my own happiness through my relationship with higher power and through the work in this program. And that has been phenomenal, a phenomenal gift. Like now I'm like, okay, what do I wanna do with this life? What do I wanna do with this day? What is like me acting and not reacting, you know? And um, how do I wanna treat other people? How do I want to be of service in the universe? Um, and that's like a, it feels kind of like ground zero for me. Like it feels like what a blessing, thanks, because I'm not like, um, you know, like when I came in here, I was suicidal because I was just like, I had exhausted all the addictions that were taking me out of my feelings. Like, I exhausted drugs and alcohol, like, sports. Like, as a kid, I was crazy for sports. Then drugs and alcohol, then girlfriends, then moving, then jobs. Like, I just exhausted everything that could take disassociate me from my feelings. And so, of course, I was suicidal. I was like, what the fuck do I do now? I can't move. I know that's not going to work. You know, I can't get a new relationship. I can't switch jobs. I can't, like... And so I started meditating on suicide, which actually felt freeing. It actually felt like, oh, this is like a choice I can make. This is like actually being a person that gets to make a choice. Mm -hmm. And then higher power had it that I ran into a friend that was in Al-Anon. 
you know, I'd reached this bottom, this suicidal place, because I was taking care of my 15-year-old niece whose parents, my brother and her mother, walked out on her. And my 15-year-old niece came to live with me here in New York, and it was just a mirror, you know? And it was a God-given mirror because it brought me here. And now I feel like even though I don't know the answers to all these things, like I can't be like, oh, I know every answer to who Sig is and what she likes. At least I feel like I have like a road map. I have like, I have this like hope that I never had before. And it's just this simplicity of like, oh, I get to take up space. I get to take up space. I get to grow my inner child and my inner truth. And like, you know, if I'm not in the compare and despair, then I get to just go at my own pace in line with higher power. And um, I don't know. It feels really kind of miraculous, like this idea of just like... I'm just going to kind of do what I want to do. And, like, right now, like, life, you know, life happens. And, like, right now my mom has, like, just right before the new year been diagnosed with, like, a breast cancer. And she really wants me to come out there. I'm from the West Coast. And I just had to be like, I can't do it, you know? I can't do it right now. I can't do it over the holidays, you know? Like, I'll come when like, when I just have a little more force, you know, like, I can't, like, I'm triggered by the holidays, like, I don't know, like, she, and for me, the triggers, like, it's, it's really intense right now, because the main triggers are not even my mom, it's her alliance with my dad and my brother, who I think are extremely sick and suffering in another way that really affected my life like my dad has like is like a porn addict and he like really wants my his sexuality he always really wanted my attention in it like I was basically raised to sort of like understand his perversions you know and like his sense of humor around perversions like I was raised like <laughs> to just be that person and for many years I acted out on all that too and like there's not like a you know sexual innuendo or like some kind of sexual um, anything that's happening in movies or art that goes over my head because I was raised by a father who had no boundaries and to see it all like and I think that was his Sickness, you know, that's what he was dealing with in his own self. But, anyways, to say that those things now in recovery and with a lot of also somatic body work around that stuff has led me to know that that's not a safe environment for me. It's not a safe environment for me, especially over the holidays. And that's painful because, in the end, I feel like, you know, those those things are more damaging to me right now than the alcoholism, or that is part of the alcoholism, but I almost feel like to my mother, you made your choice, you know? You've lived your life in denial, and you don't see these things that, are, that were right in the family, and you've made your choice, and therefore you don't have your daughter at your side. You have your 
perverted husband <laughs> and your son who is an addict. And these are the things that, that sounds harsh, but this is what I get in the program. I'm not suicidal. I make choices that protect myself. So I hope that was helpful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.